Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. It was a busy weekend for Michigan Athletics with, with the football team playing its annual spring game and two more departures from the men's basketball team. Meanwhile, the hockey team is preparing for its Frozen Four matchup. We're discussing all of it coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right. Good to be talking with you guys here Monday morning, April 3rd. Like I said, it was a very, very busy weekend, particularly, uh, you know, Friday afternoon. A lot of a lot of news coming at once. Uh, let's talk about Saturday afternoons. Spring game at Michigan Stadium It was three o'clock. It's later than usual. Yes. Was it was it to accommodate kind of the meet and greet NIL stuff beforehand? Was that the reasoning there? I, that's a good question. because The meet and greet didn't details didn't come out until after the spring game was announced. But I'm assuming there are some coordination there yeah um, but I, I don't know i'm maybe part of it was again this thing's announced you know a month, month ahead of time so I, I think maybe accounting for the weather i mean obviously you want to have it maybe mid-afternoon as opposed to early afternoon I, I don't know but yeah good question all right i guess what were the uh what were the standouts you know what, what what's yeah who were the standouts what were the main takeaways obviously like the the who wins this game is not really relevant. Uh, so yeah. What, what were the kind of main takeaways from this game for both of you? Well, a lot of the big time players stars, several of them didn't play. I mean, Blake Gorham didn't play. Donovan Edwards didn't play. Um, we got JJ McCarthy for half. Uh, several of the offensive linemen who we think are going to start did not play Zach Zinter, Drake Nugent. Um, so it, it was a lot, it was a good look at some of the backups, third string guys at the fringe guys. Um, because I, to me, and, and Zoo can you know disagree or whatever, but I think for me, the two standout players, at least that come to mind right away, are guys that may not really see the field much this fall. One <laughs> being Peyton O'Leary, receiver, and then Benjamin Hall, the uh, true freshman running back. Um, so it, it it was a good it was a good way to see some of these younger guys, maybe what they might bring eventually, or maybe a little bit this fall. Um, but as we've seen years past spring game, it's hard to write anything away, to take much away from it. Um, you know, you can get an idea of kind of where maybe the coaches think, you know, think of some of these guys, maybe where they fall in the depth chart. I will say we did probably get some clarity at, at quarterback in terms of the backup role. Jack Tuttle was the other, the other starter and he played quite a bit. So to me right now, he's probably, you know, passed up, um, you know, for, for the, for the backup role. So, uh, We'll see. Not a ton to write home about. Um, it was nice to see some football. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I agree with it. it was nice to see some football. I don't know how much real football was going on out there on on the field, but and it, it felt like football weather, though. I will say that. Uh, to me, it was more of on the defensive side of the ball that that really kind of caught my eye. I mean, and some guys that should be at least in, in rotations this year. I mean, Ernest Hausman came over here as a, as a highly um, anticipated transfer from Nebraska. He had eight tackles, which led the Mays team, had uh, delivered a, a pretty big hit on Jack Tuttle to, to draw a fumble loose there. One of five turnovers on the day. I mean, the, there was a storyline. There was it was turnovers galore, even on. Some of uh some plays that were overturned by penalties, there was turnovers too. So there could have been a lot more. Um, but yeah, there was so there was some pretty good pass rush by a few guys. I mean, Derek Moore had a had a, a couple of good. We had one bull rush over. I think it was Jeff Percy. Um, absolutely just steamrolled over him. Um, he was in the backfield quite quite a bit. Uh, Rayshon Benny had a sack and and seemed like he was doing a lot of pressure on, on the quarterback. 
Um, Josiah Stewart, another transfer, had a sack. So um, some pretty good pass rush by by some guys that you're probably going to be hearing uh, hearing their names throughout this season. Kenneth Grant, uh, the number one overall pick, uh, I, you could definitely notice his size in the middle there. Uh, he he definitely had, stood out on a few plays. Uh, he could be a handful inside for Michigan this year if he continues to develop and grow. Uh, I mean, he is just an absolute load in the middle. Uh, I think I think on the broadcast, uh, they were calling him a double wide refrigerator or something on the Big Ten broadcast during the spring game. I mean, he's, he's a big boy. Uh, and he, he, Chris Jenkins didn't play much, but, I mean, he looks like he's going to continue to ascend um, after a really strong season in 2022. So for me, it was more of the, def- I think the d- defensive side of the ball definitely had an edge overall. I mean, there were some d- nice offensive plays, but with all the turnovers that were had um, and yeah, just the most storing game, I mean, 22, 21 in, in a spring game seemed pretty low. So I, I definitely give the advantage to, to the defense. Oh, hold on. So Kenneth Grant, number one pick, this was revealed. You finally, you guys got to the it bottom was. of this on Saturday. Yeah, it was revealed at some point. I don't know if it was on the BTN broadcast, but yeah, he was taken number one overall. And I think the thinking behind it was that he could play most of the game. They were looking for somebody probably on the deep side of the ball who could, A, probably get the quarterback and B, play a ton. Because as we know, as I said, a lot of the starters, or at least some of the starters didn't play. Some only played a handful of a time. You know, JJ only played half the game. So you're not necessarily looking for a quarterback. You're looking for a guy who can maybe disrupt. So Grant was, was looked at as, as that guy, I guess. Yeah, the assistants we spoke to on Friday were treating it like, you know, real state secrets there about not going to get into that, not going to reveal that, all this stuff. I I will say this, too, as far as the quarterback battle. I I don't know if I completely agree with Aaron there. I mean, when when it's all said and done and Tuttle started, but I mean – he, after his first drive, he didn't really impress that much. I mean, his first drive, he led the team down the field for a touchdown, um, really had a great pocket awareness, was showed off his legs a little bit, and then kind of hit a little bit of a wall, had, had one kind of interception that he probably liked back. Uh, Davis Warren finished 8 for 13 for 163 yards, kind of led the game-winning store for uh, the Mays team. So I don't – it's hard for me to put too much stock into a, de- a quarterback depth chart just based off of uh, a spring game. I mean, maybe they just wanted to to get Tuttle in there because he's a transfer and he's new. I mean, if if you recall, I mean, Warren got a ton of time in, in the spring game last year. Um, so, I mean, maybe maybe that's how, how it has shaken out so far, but um, it's I mean, it's still early and, and Tuttle's still learning the offense. So maybe it's like, all right, get, give him as many reps as possible, but – um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see come fall, but at this point, I think it's just more of just getting guys reps. The, the key for Tuttle is going to be staying healthy. I mean, he was injured quite a bit in Indiana. That's one of the reasons why he just couldn't maintain that starter role. Um, I, I will say this. I've been told, again, it is early that, that Tuttle has surpassed Davis Warren for the backup role. I, I know it's only spring and, and there's still plenty of time to, to, to for that to change, but I, I think just uh, Tuttle's experience and his ability, he has started before and everything else. I, I think um, at this point, he seems to be the number two. I will say this. He had, he had better legs than I thought. His mobility was, looked pretty good. He wasn't afraid to get outside the pocket and scramble at times. Um, so either way, I think Michigan's sitting pretty good from, from a, just from a quarterback depth perspective. And that's one of the things, I think, one of the reasons why they brought in Puddle. They, they want someone who's kind of like an Alan Bowman type, who started before, who has played before, has experienced that if, you know, somehow Jason probably does get, get, end up injured or whatever the case may be in a game. Someone you, you feel comfortable throwing in there. So 
obviously there's still a lot of time to go. He's, he's still got to learn the rest of the offense, and everything else. And he did look shaky at times. Um, he, I think he turned the, he had a fumble there at one point. They threw a pick. Um, he's got some work to do, but I, I will say this, he's a little bit more polished than maybe, maybe a Davis Warren. Anytime I hear Tuttle, I think of Mr. Tuttle from Saved by the Bell. I don't know if that's a little, maybe just a few years before your time, but the, the driver's ed uh, instructor, uh, I think he was uh, on, uh, on Saved by the Bell. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the hope for Michigan, right, is that is that J.J. McCarthy is, you know, playing 15 games and only coming out, uh, you know, the fourth quarter of blowouts anyway. So uh, we'll, we'll see, obviously, how that how that all shakes out. But yeah, I guess what were the other, um, you know, there were there were injured players, you know, from last year that came back and saw the field. There were, you know, true freshmen. There were transfers. There were, yeah, guys you just have we haven't seen yet in a in a Michigan uniform either ever or in a while. Um, yeah, some of those names. Uh, anything you could kind of take away from from their performances? Yeah, AJ Barn looked pretty good. The uh, the tight end from Indiana. I, I think he's expected to come in and kind of you know be that complimentary role to Colton Love, or maybe even push for the the number one kind of tight end, tight end role. He had I think three or four catches. Um, had a big one at one point. He looked pretty good. He looked pretty smooth. He, he looked a little bigger than I thought. I mean, I've watched some film on him and everything else. Maybe he's bulked up since he'd gotten here, but he looked pretty good out there. Um, you kind of mentioned it. Josiah Stewart. I think his guy is he's going to be named to watch this fall. Um, he's brought in particularly being edge rusher. Um, I don't think they're expecting the type of production that he had at Coastal Carolina last year. I don't think that's really just you know plausible to think, given the fact that the stage he played on last year. But I, I do think, and it's, I, we spoke to him after the game, but you know he he said he's ready to come in and, and make a difference. That's his goal here. He's here to win a national championship. He's here to have some success, and he's do, willing to do whatever it takes. So um, I, I do think you're going to see him quite a bit this fall. I don't know if it can be a package situation or, or an every down situation. Remember, Michigan brought in had a similar situation a few years back with Mike Dana at Central Michigan. He was an All Mac player. Um, you know, had he had a big big numbers in the Mac. Similar situation with Stewart coming in from a Sun Belt, similar conference, and they largely used Dan on packages. So we'll see what what they do with Stewart. Um, he's ready to go though, and he, he looked big. I mean, bulked up. He looked like a big dude. So I think he's ready. To, I think he can come in and certainly make a difference. Yeah, yeah, no one else. <laughs> it's a spring game. There's too many guys going in and out. No scoreboard. Like it was, yeah, that's uh, let's move on. <laughs> we were looking yeah, one to more. get stats after the game. We and we did. We were told actually ahead of time there were gonna be no stats, which is you know great for us. It's like okay, we got nothing, we got basically anecdotal evidence here, which is fine. Uh, but then when we at halftime, they actually came out with the stat sheet, and then after the game, they uh they came out with final stats. It took a while. We didn't get them as soon as, you know, typically, you know, we typically do for a game, but we, we did get some stats. So those were, those were certainly helpful. Kudos to Michigan's uh, athletic department staff. Well, how about the offensive line? That's my kind of last question. Was there any, uh, you know, especially with a couple guys out, you know, maybe some of this, some of the second, third stringers, is this a kind of deep, uh, a deep unit for this team? Yeah, I, I think they look at it like this. I know Sharon Morris said that, you know, I think they believe this is and Jim Harbaugh, too, that this is probably one of the deepest offensive lines that they've, they've had, and, and rightfully so. I mean, they've got really like three or four legitimate starters coming back from last year. They've you got those host of transfers they brought in. Um, I did note to start the game, the uh, starting old line for both teams. Um, the Mays had Andrew Gentry at left tackle, Trevor Keegan left guard, who was, we expect to be a starter, Greg Kip, Crippen at center, Dominic Gadis, former defensive lineman, uh, he's since moved to the offensive line. He's a, he was at right guard, and the Trent A. Jones at right tackle. And then the blue team um, had uh, Carson Barnhart left tackle, Giovanni Ohadi left guard, Raheem Anderson center, 
Amir Herring, uh, right guard, and then Jeffrey Percy at right tackle. So some names, some new names, um, some familiar names, and some names that did play a little bit last year. And I think Michigan's kind of, at this point, it's kind of, they're just kind of mixing and matching, seeing what they have, who can play where, who's best that where, because as Sheryl Moore has made it pretty abundantly clear since he's gotten a job as offensive line coach, that he's not afraid of, of kind of, um, you know, mixing and matching, playing potentially a tackle at guard or a guard, bumping a guard out the tackle. Um, so we'll see there. They're, they are deep. I think they legitimately believe they have almost three, te- like a, a, a three legit teamed offensive line deep. Um, you know, so I, I'm really curious to see what happens just because of the glut of transfers, the experience they had coming back, guys who were fringe starters last year, I think expecting a starting role this year. Um, they've got a lot of figuring out to do. And that's where I think, you know, spring is, is so important. It's so important there. Um. I mean, perhaps the, the the biggest news, at least the one that got the coaches from a video I saw, at least uh, more excited maybe than anything that happened on Saturday was something that happened on Friday, which was a commitment from a uh, you know five star QB top twenty five thirty player in this in the next year's class, uh, Jaden Davis um, from from North Carolina, uh, the fourth ranked QB I saw by the twenty four seven Sports composite. At least he was he was even higher, and you know other. Uh, outlets rankings but um yeah this is uh you know we I remember talking about how you know they missed out on you know CJ Carr and you know some other guys in that class to get Jaden Davis seems uh huge uh you know for a program that will eventually in these next couple of years lose its current five-star QB JJ McCarthy Zook tell us about it yeah I mean it seems like he's been the most ideal fit for Michigan for for years now or at least over a year since Michigan has really turned up the heat on his recruitment uh, it seems like the Wolverines have been have been the front runner for months, and it's like, all right, maybe a decision is on the horizon soon. It's first, it was like late fall. Like, all right, maybe he'll just wait until the the winter time. And the Wanderer went. It's like, all right, maybe there's other teams emerging as is legit contenders. And uh, he just he, he visited this uh, during spring ball, and it, it sounds like he was able to get to know new quarterbacks coach Kirk Campbell a little bit better. So, uh, mission answered every question that that he had, and and it's, and he was ready to shut it down. And I, obviously, this is a huge, 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 massive win for Michigan, considering their recruiting struggles at the quarterback position the past two cycles. Um, to get a guy of his talent, five star guy, and and beating schools like Ohio State, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Clemson, his other finalists, to do it is uh, is a big deal, and not only just for for to land a quarterback, but just for building a class too. If you remember, I mean, JJ McCarthy helped to build a, a pretty solid class, even during that year where Michigan struggled on the field and he kept the guys together, helped land Donovan Edwards late in that cycle as well. So it, it's always good to have some leaders in, in the pack and with, uh, with a four-star running back, top 100 running back in Jordan Marshall. And now, and now Jaden Davis, they have a, a couple headliners to, to move forward with and, um, yeah, and who knows? Mission might need them as soon as next year if, if J.J. McCarthy has another solid season at least to the NFL. So it's uh, it's a huge, biggest win on the recruiting trail for Michigan in quite some time. 24-7 sports um, lists Ron Bellamy, Kirk Campbell as the primary recruiters for Dayton, Jaden Davis. So I, I think this is certainly a feather in the cap for Ron Bellamy, just that we, we knew how well he was liked. Um, we knew the impact he could potentially make here in the state of Michigan on the recruiting trail. But to go outside of his kind of comfort base and, and to land a five-star quarterback who isn't really, you know, he's not going to be coaching at, at his position, uh, I, I think is a good thing. And then Kirk Campbell was just promoted to quarterback's coach. The fact that he was kind of help, able to hold on to the relationship that Michigan had developed 
I think is important. And and then I got to point out too, you know, when Jaden announced his commitment the other or on Friday on ESPN Live, you know, he made the comment. He said, "Michigan did a great job of recruiting my whole family," uh, and that's kind of been Michigan's philosophy from from day one. Or Jim Harbaugh to try and win over the parents, show that this is a place where you can develop and, and kind of you know be well rounded. And and it certainly it certainly um, you know it, Jane Davis it made a difference with him uh, to the point where he now he mentioned he mentioned Kirk Campbell he mentioned I think Ron Bellamy he also mentioned Josh Nagoga the recently hired analyst too a former quarterback himself at Youngstown State so it sounded like it was a team effort from a recruiting perspective Michigan did a really good job and they got they got a ton of momentum right now and we thought, and I remember this time last year I think we were knocking Michigan for struggling recruiting. Uh, and everything else, they weren't laying some of the big fish. They're finally starting to do it. And I think some of the wins and Big Ten titles and, and playoff appearances are starting to finally make a difference here. Yeah, let's not forget about, I mean, Jim Harbaugh doesn't really play a major role in a lot of recruitments, at least for the day-to-day stuff. But it sounds like he was involved heavily in this Davis recruitment. And, uh, I mean, not everyone maybe appreciates Harbaugh's recruiting style or his coaching style or his, or his quirkiness, but it sounds like uh, Davis did and, and, and definitely mentioned uh, Coach Harbaugh is is being the the one constant throughout this recruiting process too to help seal seal the deal. So, um, yeah, it's Michigan's got its big fish and is uh, going to continue to be out on the waters looking for more too. So it should be a much different recruiting cycle in 2024 than 2023. I mean, I wouldn't be, it's still early, but I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan – Mission for sure will probably could finish in the top ten, maybe even top five if if they continue uh, on the on their current trajectory. And Davis seems like a McCarthy type that's going to try to you know bring others along with him, be a, an active recruiter himself uh, for the program, which always helps. Uh, so yeah, the football team brings brings in a star, potential future star, I guess, and the men's basketball team loses one. Uh, later Friday afternoon, learned that Hunter Dickinson. It entered the transfer portal, and I mean, I like to be in the know. I like to be on top of things with this program. This was this was a bit of a shocker, um, you know, just given how much he truly, you know, does love Michigan. Uh, you know, to see him potentially continue his college career elsewhere is surprising to me. I, I'm still digging, still working. You know, hope hope to have some later this week on M Live about exactly what went down here. Uh, you know, you can speculate, you know, nil or um, you know, the kind of makeup of the team next year for a guy that had experience, experienced success and, and last year, you know, didn't as much, you know, maybe looking for, you know, greener grass. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, what's most surprising to me is that a guy who really couldn't keep his mouth shut for three years has not said anything um, <laughs> about this. Like, uh, you know, like, you know, he, he, he leaked it to some national reporters and, and that was that. We haven't heard from him yet. Uh, you know, on his podcast or on social media or or anywhere. Um, so yeah, that that was that was surprising to me. Yeah, you kind of hit it. Like, I, a part of me wonders when I heard the news. I'm like, how much of it is it nil? Because again, he's been pretty, um, you know, critical of Michigan's nil work and everything else. Um, and how much of it is you know the makeup of the roster? Like you said, what they're losing several guys. They struggled this year. Um, and then obviously, the, you know, we don't know the end of the story yet. We don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I wonder what the situation is going to look like on the other side here, where, where he's going and, and what the situation is there. So, yeah, it's surprising news, I think, for everyone. I, I saw it. I was a bit surprised, too. I mean, he's 
when you think of Michigan basketball the last couple of years, you think Hunter Dickinson and, and, you know, he's kind of embodied everything that, that, you know, the spirit, the the philosophy, everything else. Uh, and John Howard said nothing but great things to say about him. So yeah, it was, it was surprising. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, his relationship with Juwan Howard seemed, seemed good, you know, with all some of his antics on court, off court, you know, Juwan always said, I'm, I'm riding with him. I'm all in with Hunter. And he got emotional talking about him after one game earlier this season. So, uh, that that part doesn't doesn't really add up. He coached him hard, but Hunter seemed to want that. You know, as far as like his role, I don't think he's going to get a bigger one elsewhere. He's being you know featured pretty heavily. Um, sure, he could go to an even lesser team and just you know take probably thirty shots a game, but that's not going to be a winning team. So, uh, yeah, it was it is interesting. It's going to be very fascinating to see where he lands. Yeah, we'll we'll see where his uh, he takes his big Dickinson energy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> he he's made he's been a successful NIL athlete anyway. Like you know, the brand of Michigan is big enough to boost him up, but you know, there're definitely schools that will just make it even easier for him and just, you know, straight up pay him essentially. So if that's that's what he's looking for, then then okay, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I would assume he'll come out and talk at, at some point and we'll we'll get an answer on this. If not, I'll I'll try to get it through uh, you know, people that that we're familiar with his his thinking um but yeah you know we already knew jet howard was gone one and done and uh you know on saturday learned uh or was it yesterday i think it was yesterday actually yesterday sunday we learned kobe buffkin had entered the draft too and you know both kind of closed the door on a potential return you know in the past with guys i, I think of jordan Poole and uh even iggy brasdakis and you know other guys who have you know dickinson himself you know the last couple of years testing the waters and you know we're gonna see gonna you know hire an agent that's NCA approved and maintain my eligibility and all that these guys are like nope foregoing my remaining eligibility so uh you know I, I talked to scouts about Buffkin um not a consensus that he's like a first rounder but pretty much a consensus that he's like he'll get paid because now even the early to mid second round guys get guaranteed contracts for the most part so uh, that's the thought with him, and it's a, a meteoric rise for a guy who didn't play much as a freshman, and even the first half of this season was really not on teams' uh, radar for the most part. I mean, talk to someone who you know went to their first game; it was uh, you know in person at least, and where Buffkin caught his eye wasn't until uh, February. And he you know he went on a tear from there, uh, scoring, rebounding, showing off his playmaking. You know, and he and he's young. We've talked about this. He's uh, he was the youngest guy in Michigan's roster last season, despite being a sophomore on a team with uh, five freshmen. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a blow for a Michigan team. I, I, I saw some people joking about Jawan Howard next year, you know, when posting a uh, you know photo or or the GIF of, of of Will Smith in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the final episode where he's standing in the the living room of the house with no furniture, no no people around him. Like this is Jawan, just like all right, where where is everybody? But the portal, uh, you know, taketh away. The portal can giveth, and uh, Michigan already has a guy from there, uh, former, you know, top recruit Namari Burnett, kind of fill that wing scoring defender uh, position. You know, kind of left open by by the Jet and and, and Buffkin's departures, uh, and you know, may maybe looking for more. Um, you know, power forward from Wofford, BJ Mack will be announcing his top five tomorrow. Michigan could be in that. Uh, there are other players as well that Michigan could could look for. They can certainly sell plenty of minutes 
uh, to any of these guys in the portal with all, all the uh, departures. Um, all right. We've got hockey to talk to as well, uh, talk about as well, because they will be playing in their frozen four. It's getting closer every day. That's how time works. Thursday, they will play Quinnipiac uh, in a national semifinal. Uh, Zook, we talked about Quinnipiac a little bit on the last pod, but I guess, you know, are there, there's some more things you've learned about them since then, or just kind of remind uh, our listeners about, you know, what to expect potentially in that matchup. Yeah. I mean, over the last few years, they've, they've kind of dominated the ECAC. Um, and I mean, their, their record speaks for itself 34, three and two, I, I think. I mean, that's pretty darn impressive, but definitely not the same type of uh, difficult schedule that, that Michigan has faced this season. Um, but they're a very disciplined team, well-structured team, and uh, 32, four and three is the record. My bad. But yeah, it's um, a very defensive minded team and, and they thrive off suppressing other teams chances and winning low scoring games for the most part. And that's what they're going to try and do against Michigan and slow down their their high powered offense, especially the top line. And and for for Twinipiac, they're it's important for them to try and get the lead because if Michigan gets two goals against them. It goes up to at any point. It's going to be really hard for them to uh, to come back because they're just not bu- built that type of team. I like Michigan, they get down they're with their offense. I mean, they're they're never out of any game because they can put up uh, goals in a hurry. That's not really how the Bobcats really operate. So it will be interesting to see who who can kind of strike first and and and, and draw first blood because I think whoever does will probably have a. Uh, have a pretty good chance at winning this game and yeah it will should be it should be a fun one both I, I really like both matchups kind of a different flavor in both I mean BU and, and Minnesota should be a, a phenomenal matchup as well so yeah it's uh it's nearing closer and it should be should be fun nothing like frozen four in uh in 90 plus degree weather I looked at the weather uh yesterday and I'm like oh my gosh it's gonna be 95 the day of the game you've got to be kidding me and the, the ice can hold up. They can keep it in decent shape. And that yeah, way. yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah. I mean, that's actually kind of funny. I have a story coming up this week about uh, two guys on Michigan who are uh, from uh, from Florida and, and grew up playing in Florida. So it's uh, yeah. There's there's rinks in Florida. Um, not as many like it is around here, but yes, they're, they're able to keep the the ice frozen year round, Aaron. <laughs> so what's your handicap? You think what are the chances Michigan wins this thing? I, I think I think there's a good chance they beat Quinnipiac. Um, I mean, if if especially if they can get a get a lead and, and Quinnipiac starts cheating for more offense because they're not used to playing from behind, I think the Wolverines should be able to capitalize and, and continue to kind of expand that lead. So I, I like them winning the first game. If they happen to face Minnesota in the national championship again, based off what happened in, in the Big Ten Big Ten uh, title game. And, and knowing what Minnesota has on the roster, I think that's one team that could can run and gun just like Michigan and is a little bit better defensively. Uh, I, 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 would, I think Minnesota would probably beat Michigan in the championship. And I think if, if it's BU, I mean, th- these two teams played each other earlier in the year at Yost and, and split a two game series. I think that would be a, 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 it would be a phenomenal matchup and probably about 50, 50. So I like them getting the championship this year. And depending on the opponent, I, I, I don't, I don't know. So I, I'd say maybe uh, 29, 30% that they, I'll do 35% that they win it all. 29 initially. Now he's pumped it up to 35. 35. Yeah. No, just last, the, 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 the mind's churning a little bit. There we you go. Know, I'm trying to take into more factors into account. 
Absolutely. It's hockey, one game, you know, any, any anything could happen in this thing. But uh, all right, and you'll be there. Yes, yes. You'll I be will. there to, to cover it for him live. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have we'll have continued coverage of the, of that. We'll have, you know, continued coverage of the basketball roster, you know, ever-changing situation, and, you know, any football news as well on MLive.com slash Wolverine. Thanks for listening.